welcome to the Arna Law Podcast. In this episode, an extract from an earlier webinar hosted by the Bangalore International Centre, Arna Law Managing Partner Kamla Naganand is in conversation with renowned lawyer and mediator Shriram Panchu to discuss the evolution of mediation as a successful dispute resolution mechanism. The discussion explores how mediation offers a different approach to dispute resolution, fostering a sense of healing and a non-judgmental kind of justice. It also explores the myriad applications of the mediation process emerging now to disputes ranging from corporate and family law to disputes between states and even those between countries. A quick note about our speaker, Shriram Panchu has been in the forefront of the mediation movement in India and is an internationally recognized Indian mediator. He has trained over a thousand mediators across the country and has mediated a large number of complex and high-value commercial disputes in India and abroad. He has also been appointed by the Supreme Court of India to mediate significant public disputes, most notably being appointed in 2019 as part of a three-member panel to mediate the Ayodhya Ram Janambhumi Babri Masjid dispute, India's most contentious dispute between Hindus and Muslims. This podcast on the art of mediation will be split over two episodes. In the first, Mr. Panchu speaks about his own professional journey that brought him toward mediation and the early work in building mediation as a movement in the Indian legal system and setting up court annexed mediation centers. In the second, we'll move to discussing prominent cases and the various applications of the process. Stay tuned for the discussion ahead. Ram has been one of the pioneers of the mediation movement in India. He is the face of mediation in India. He started his career in the chambers of uh, Mr. Govind Swaminathan and has had a distinguished career at the bar. Uh, he was designated senior by the Madras High Court in 1996 and uh, he has mediated significant public disputes from the Ayodhya dispute to the 60-year-old border dispute between the state of Assam and Nagaland. He's mediated commercial matters, family disputes, uh, and has taught across universities around the world on mediation. He's also written many books. And uh, in 2018, he was conferred by the Lawyers of India, honor and designation by the Bar Council of India. So welcome, uh, Sri Ram to our conversation this evening. I'd like to start by um, at the very beginning of your career and ask you, uh, how did mediation uh, interest you? And may I request you to start by sharing with us your journey in the law and also side by side parallel it with the mediation journey of India. Thank you, Kamla. Um, and thank you for the Bangalore International Center for having me here. Uh, it's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, much as I enjoy the flexibility of the online world, uh, there are times when I miss um, not having to see, not having to actually meet people face to face. And this is one of those because I think I have seen a lot of friends this evening. Uh, but thank you for, for inviting me. Um, my journey, yes. 
I started my practice of law in 1976 with, as you said, Mr. Govind Swaminathan. Um, it took me about 15 years in my profession to realize that uh, something, something was wrong. And I had a growing sense of dissatisfaction uh, with the way that the law was impacting the lives of my clients who were litigating. I mean, invariably, their lives got worse. Even if they won their cases, their lives got worse. The relationship got worse. The problems with their companies or their, their, uh, got worse. And it, it just didn't seem to be, you know, something which served people well in that part of the law, the conflict area. Anyway, I used to do a lot of public interest cases. I've always met, you know, uh, added stuff onto a conventional law practice. My conventional practice is commercial and constitutional law, but I've always added other things. So I used to do a lot of public interest cases. And uh, in 1991, Dr. M. S. Swaminathan proposed me for the Salzburg Institute, the Salzburg Seminar. And for those of you who haven't been or don't know about it, I would suggest you check it out. It's a fantastic, you know, multidisciplinary gathering which takes place in Salzburg. They run something like 12 seminars a year on different subjects, ranging from philosophy to politics to law to journalism. Um, and each of the seminars is by, you have about 30 people who are mid-career working in that field. And you have a few acknowledged leaders in that field. And they throw them all together for two weeks. There is just one formal lecture in the beginning. And after that, it's just discussion, discussion, discussion. It is the most energizing experience I've ever seen. It's, of course, in a beautiful setting. It's the same cousin where they shot the film, The Sound of Music. Um, but as an experience, I think the Salzburg Seminar has rarely left people's lives untouched. Most people who've gone there have had a significant change you know, in their lives. I wish somebody would start something like that in India. But anyway, um, the subject I went for was harmonizing environment and development. I didn't know anything called mediation existed before. But Lauren Suskin and Chris Moore, you know, from, from the United States, taught that one method of harmonizing environment and development was mediation. That with this, you could address conflict between disputants and work out ways in which both could come together to an agreement which would be significantly better than an adversarial result. For me, this was my Eureka moment. You know, this is when the penny dropped into the slot and I said, my God, this is it. This is what I've been looking for, for this method, this process, which will handle personal and civil conflict, commercial conflict. Um, and for me then on, it's been a very clear thing that the law is twofold. One part of the law, the adversarial system, must take care of cases um, of criminal law, cases of constitutional law, cases where you need an interpretation of a court or a direction of the court, uh, and cases of severe imbalance, social impact cases. Everything else, I think, should go to mediation, or in some cases, to arbitration, because it's much better resolved there and so my work has been on that uh, on, on that line from then. I came back to India and I started to speak and write about uh, mediation. And for a few years, you know, there was a lot of confusion. A lot of my friends thought I was going into meditation. 
you know, there was this why is Sri Ram going into deep breathing and pranayama? Um, and this continued for some time, but I persisted. You know, cases would come, I would ask the lawyer for the other side, I would say that there is this thing called mediation, why don't we try it? And I would like convert them to mediation. We would sit and mediate cases, and we started to get some interesting results. Um, in 2001, my journey took me to New York. Uh, NYU invited me to teach a course in public interest law. And I agreed to go, provided I could do my research on mediation. And they, of course, they said yes, and they opened out all doors to me. So it was a very fruitful year teaching. Um, I came back, and then. Um, 2005 was, I think, you know, the Victor Hugo moment. Um, there's nothing so powerful as an idea whose time has come. Uh, following a conversation with Justice Cardew, who was Chief Justice at Madras, and I said, this is what mediation could do. But that man had the vision to say, we will introduce it as a regular part of the court. We'll create a mediation center and make it a division of the high court. And he said, I'll give you rooms, I'll give you staff, I'll send you cases, I have no funds, will you manage? And I said, of course we will. So we took it up, we, you know, we went after lawyers, good lawyers, asked them to come and train as mediators. We, we brought in a first-class trainer from the US uh, to train them. Our dining tables went to the high court to become mediation tables. Um, but we started, and you know, a lot depends upon your initial um, successes. And we had two initial successes. One I'll tell you about later, but the big one really was the case of Standard Motors, where a dispute which was lying in court for 12 years got sent down to mediation. Standard Motors, the company which made the Herald car, the, the company was bound up in 94, the assets had been sold, but for 12 years, the banks and the workers' unions were fighting about sharing the proceeds. The banks wanted 45 crores, the workers wanted 25. It was only 50 crores. And the money got just lying in court. 2006, June, a judge said, why don't we try this mediation? Um, so they sent it down. In three months, we got a result. The banks came down from 45 to 30 crores. I remember that evening, you know, at 4.30, I spoke with these bankers and I said, look, if you're going to fight for 45 crores, and this is the thing about mediation, you must bring home to them your, your alternatives to settlement. I said, if you don't settle, you're looking at easily 12 years more of litigation. And God knows what the law will be at that time. You will not be on rank on par with the workers. I said, if you settle today, today is 15 September, I will see that you get your money by the end of the month and your half yearly accounts. Your half yearly accounts are good times to tell, tell bankers to accept money and close. So they looked at me and they said, do you promise? I said, yes, I promise. Who was I to promise? But you know, there's a God above. I said, yes, I promise. And uh, within half an hour, they got back and said, yes, we agree to it. So they signed, the workers came down from 25 to 20. That wasn't the problem. And we had a lovely function in the Madras High Court and the Chief Justice distributed the checks to the families of workers. And do you know how many there were? It was 2,196 workers. Wow. At that time, will never, you know, go from my mind. In some cases, they died. The children came forward to see the checks. And this made news. And then President Kalam, Mr. Kadju, told him about the center. 
and the president actually wanted to come and visit. We were a one-year-old center. No president of India ever visits a one-year-old center. And when we got this news, I was surprised. I called his office you know, and I said, is this for real? And his secretary said, no, sir, it's for real. He wants to come. His father was a mediator in the village. The president wants to see the center. So he came. And, you know, there is nobody, I think, the grace of God in the man, as, as Dr. Kalam, you can see that photograph at the back. And he came and he blessed it. And I think that made that just grow, you know, it just grew exponentially. And we had a wonderful committee set up for the Supreme Court. Justice Lokur did a lot of work for that committee uh, to take it all India. And within a short space, what, 15 years, you have mediation centers in every high court, uh, district courts, and of course the Supreme Court. You have thousands of mediators. You have lots of cases being mediated across the entire spectrum of personal and commercial and civil conflict. Um, so for India, I think it's been a great mediation march. Having said that, you know, this is stage one. Stage two is the need to professionalize the practice, to bring in private mediation. Because it's only that way that mediation actually becomes sustainable, not just through, you know, court mediation, which is pro bono or honorarium. So we're working on that, how to professionalize it, how to make it remunerative and attractive for the mediator, but also for the lawyer. You know, we need to create systems by which lawyers have a financial incentive to help parties to certain cases. Hiram, may I request you to hold that thought for a moment? Yes. I want to go back to uh, the case of uh, that you just mentioned, and I'd like for you to share with us the most humanizing aspects of mediation as a form of dispute resolution. You know, can you share with us one or two examples where you've seen healing, where you've seen forgiveness, where you've seen empathy? Uh, you know, these are the bottom line of any dispute resolution mechanism because uh, when you are in an adversarial system, what you end up seeing is only the negativity. But in order for the, any dispute to heal completely and to be cathartic, it needs you know, healing, it needs forgiveness. So would you be able to share with us uh, maybe an, another one or two examples of your experience? You know, I think, Kamala, the entire process, the entire process is one of, uh, it's a humane process. Because what you do in mediation, you know, um, you get people to communicate to each other. You get them to listen to each other. You get them to try and understand each other. You open up the framework, the larger picture. So that it's not just a disputant. You said, you know, there is in, in your in your session today, you use the word mindfulness. You get them to be mindful of the fact that in that dispute, there's not just themselves, there's also the community, there's also a family, there are also others. And they must be taken into account. That there is a long-term vision to things, that there are generations who matter. And then you actually get them involved in looking for solutions. Which is the most amazing thing, right? That they are part. That they get part of the process to resolve their own dispute. So let me give you a couple of, you know, a couple of examples quickly. Um, I did a mediation some time back for a very large educational chain. 
Um, of course, I won't take names, but it consisted of father and, and sons, you know, four, four, four sons, and one son uh, and, and, and the rest of the family had, had fallen out. And it was very bitter. And there are all kinds of cases, you know, trust and criminal cases and civil cases, very, very bitter. And it came to the High Court and Chief Justice Call told them, he said, look, if you continue litigating in 20 years time, you would have destroyed your institute, not 20 years. He said, in a short span of time, you will destroy your institution. You may fight for 20 years, but your institution will go very soon. He said, I'll give you a mediator, you try. It took me eight months. Mediation is not easy. You know, uh, it's not easy. It's very, it can be very difficult because essentially you have no power with you. As a judge, you have the power. As a mediator, you have one power, which is to change the way people think, to think about themselves and a dispute. But some cases take a long time. This one took me eight months. But at the end of it, we got a result where this, this young man said, I will leave the others, we'll be where they are. And the others decided to support him in another parallel venture, another venture non-competing. And today they're both flourishing. But earlier they spent all their time in courts of laws cursing each other. Today they're flourishing. And I keep visiting them. And when I visit, you know, I would say, how are you doing? And they would say, yes, we're doing well. Recently, this is what I hear. Uh, they not only tell me that, you know, each one says, I'm doing well. But they yeah. also say, sir, the other branch is doing well. And, you know, that is something which you get in mediation. I mean, it's, um, to me, having people sign an agreement, shake hands, and after shaking hands, you know, an elder brother, a younger brother falling at the feet of the elder brother, or these two brothers hugging each other, or friends treating each other like, you know, people who've fallen out, saying, you know, we started our journey together in the 90s and we've fallen apart, now let's get back together. This is common stuff. You know, it's not at all unusual to me when I have people who, who, who get who, who you know, the, 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 I would say the, the sheer uh, human aspect that we've fallen into conflict, now we can emerge from it. And having emerged, we can go back to being whole again and go back to being friends again. I had uh, uh, people from Coimbatore with me the other day. Uh, they were in a dispute for 12 years. The company law board sent them for resolution. Uh, they started at 11. By 2 o'clock, they were on the search hunt for alternatives. By 5 o'clock, they had fashioned the, the, you know, the essence of an agreement. By 7, they had decided. By 8, they signed the agreement. They started at 11 in the morning. By 8 o'clock, they had reached the agreement, signed it. And then each of them started making frantic phone calls. And I said, who are you calling? They said, we're calling our children because although we've been fighting, our children stay best of friends. And they've been the happiest people to know that this has happened. We are calling our respective children. I see this all the time in a mediation practice. I see the most humanizing elements of people coming out from there and humanizing and leading them to, you know, the best of solutions. Um, I could go on, I could take the whole evening and give you, you know, case after case after case. Um, but shall I give you one case which never goes away from my mind? Um, this was the very first case in our mediation center um, which succeeded. 
this was a case of a contractor who had built a house and there were disputes between him and the owner. Um, and the owner wasn't paying the, the, the contractor's claim. And it came to mediation. It took about, I think, three or four sessions. And they came to an agreement and the agreement was signed and the check was handed over. And the minute the check was handed over, the contractor's wife, she used to come with him. She took me aside and said, sir, I have something to tell you. And I said, yes. And she said, you know, my husband suffers from a serious disease and we need this money for his treatment. And um, she said, we didn't want to say that in the negotiation because then, you know, the other side might think it as a bargaining advantage. But now we have the check, I can tell you this. And I will never forget this one moment. When she left that room of that mediation center, that's our hall number one, it's called mediation hall number one. Uh, she turned around and she said, sir, I want to tell you, this is no ordinary room. It is a house of God. You know, whatever doubts I may have had that mediation will take root, just got dispelled in that flash of that moment. I just knew there's no way this is not going to take root. Um, house of God, you know, what can you not do with it? So we still have that room. It's the most cherished room for mediation in the country. Every visitor comes and says, oh, is this where it all started? How lovely. Thank you, Thank you for sharing. One of the criticisms that mediation has faced in recent times is that it has the potential to, people believe, entrench existing power imbalances like gender, employment, society between parties and that mediation works best when equals are bargaining with one another. How would you react to this? And what can a mediator do to smooth over these imbalances? Well, firstly, I would say you never get two equals. You, know, you always get people but um, with differing strength, but that's not really the point. <clears throat> I think the point is this, that you will get power imbalances in negotiating parties. And this is, arises out of the circumstances of the case. Um, bear in mind that those power imbalances will get reflected in a court also. You know, because the same power imbalance of, you know, money and position will bear out in, let's say, in choice of a lawyer, you know, getting a better lawyer. You get a power imbalance there as well. Um, so, I say, my, my, to some extent, you can handle the power balance in a mediation. And I think it is a duty of a mediator to handle that power balance. There are different schools of mediation. One is a school which says the mediator just runs the process. There is another school which says the mediator does more. You know, he gets involved in the search for a good result. I belong to that latter school. And I do not believe in letting an unfair agreement go through my hands. There are times when I've told a party, look, the other side is willing for this, um, but I don't think this is fair, so I'm going to cancel this mediation unless you behave a little more reasonably. And invariably, they've said, yes, don't, not to worry, sir, you tell us what it should be and we'll go by that. Um, so I believe a mediator can, you know, uh, uh, handle to some extent um, the imbalance, can certainly make sure that parties treat each other equally. That's very important. A mediator can make sure that parties to treat each other equally are given the same amount of respect and can, in some ways, you know, 
um, subtly alter the balance a bit. After all, when you have private conversations it, with each party, I do tell the stronger party, you know, I do climb down them a little bit to say, you can, you can twist the arm gently. Uh, as, as a lawyer, you can say, you know, in the mediation, you do tell parties, you know, you may not have the best case in the world. And I might spice that up a bit when I speak to a stronger party. So <laughs> down a bit. Uh, but that's only up to a degree. Beyond a degree, you don't mediate those cases of power imbalance. I don't, I will I'd not suggest that you mediate a case, you know, where you have a dominant husband and a battered wife. No. Uh, you don't mediate a case where a company is like piling on all its, uh, you know, uh, forces against one worker. You send those to a court of law and you hope that in that court of law, there is a judge who knows that he must constitutionally use his corrective sword, you know, to rectify injustice. We don't, we can't rectify injustice here at mediation, but a judge can. So we must know when to send those cases off to the, off to the court. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Arna Law Podcast. If you would like to delve more into the part of mediation, catch the second episode of this podcast where we cover the various applications of mediation and reflections on some big cases like the Ayodhya dispute. You can find our podcasts on our website www.arnalaw.com and on our LinkedIn page.